Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome to Jubilee. Whether you are joining us online or in a, one of our in-person services, we are so glad that you're here. One of the things you're going to find out real soon is that we believe Jesus is God. We believe that He is the hope for humanity. We believe His Word is true. Um, we love Him. We want to follow Him. We believe that because of His death, burial, and resurrection that we have been forgiven and set free. And we believe that's available to everyone. Anyone who would call out upon Jesus, can experience this freedom. It's why regardless of the topic, he is always our goal. The goal of every sermon is to get to Jesus, to to lift up Jesus so that we can see him and experience him. And I believe if you experience him today, you are going to find freedom. Today's topic is, is a really important topic. We are in a series, if you're new with us, if this is your first time checking us out, we are in a series called Travel Light. And the big idea is that as we travel through life, we tend to accumulate baggage. We tend to accumulate all this baggage that we need to learn to let go of. And one of those things, uh, man, it really weighs us down. In fact, I can't think of something that weighs us down more than this, the topic of today. And the topic of today is shame. We need to be those who learn to let go of shame. Shame is this intolerable feeling that, that inevitably is going to lead us to do something that we are going to, that's going to be damaging long-term. I mean, it's, I mean, you can be sad for a long time. You can be happy for a long time. You can be angry for a long time, but you cannot, we're not created to experience shame for long periods of time. It is an intolerable feeling. Shame and guilt often get lumped together, but there is some differences. Guilt has to do with your actions. So you, you could be guilty because you committed something that was wrong and it's clear and it's objective. Shame has to do with who you are and it's subjective. Um, guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. You, you can, of course, feel shame because you are guilty, but you can also feel shame even if you're innocent because we feel shame in relationship uh, to the group that we are a part of or the society as a whole. So we can feel shame from our own failures, but we can also feel shame about other people's success that we don't measure up to everyone else. And all of us will feel shame at some point, but some of us feel this acutely. Some of us feel defective and damaged and broken. And, and you don't need me to explain what this feels like because you experience it all the time. Christ, uh, Christian counselor Ed Welch says that shame is a deep sense that you are inherently flawed, unacceptable, unworthy of love because of something you've done, something done to you, or something associated with you. But I, I would want to know that we all experience, some of us experience acutely, but all of us experience it at some level. A lot of us experience it just at kind of like this vague, low level pressure that we feel. It's uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's something to where we feel it, but it's not too much that we can't deny it, but it's this insecurity and it motivates us more than we think. In fact, there's a study done at the University of Houston that talked about the difference between calling out actions and, and, and calling out a person for who they are. And, and here's was a study. They had two groups of students. And in, with both groups, both groups had an opportunity to cheat the researcher. But the re, in the research, um, they asked uh, each group a, a question. It was a similar question, but they asked it a little bit differently. With group A, they said, how prevalent is cheating on this campus? 
And the other question was how prevalent are cheaters on this campus? One spoke to the action, one spoke to the identity. And the, the one that spoke to the identity, how prevalent are cheaters, that group was far less likely to cheat saying that, man, shame, feeling the sense of shame, feeling the sense of identity is a powerful, powerful motivator that is shaping your behavior more than you think. So we got to deal with it. So we're going to get into God's word. And my goal today is simple. My hope is at the end of this message that as we lift up who Jesus is amongst us, that shame would be significantly reduced, if not altogether eliminated. So we are in Genesis 2, Verse 25, and it says, this is, this is the created order. This is the very last verse and talking about the perfection of creation. And this is what he says. The very last thing he says, uh, Moses writes in Genesis 2, and the man and his wife were both naked. And check this out, were not ashamed. It's important to understand that shame is not a part of the created order. You and I were not created, designed to carry the burden of shame. It's something that was not meant to be. He could have talked about any, a lot of negative emotions, by the way, here, but he highlights shame. He highlights shame. Shame is not, before the fall, shame was not to be a burden that we were meant to carry. Okay, so where does this come from? Well, it starts with the serpent. So in verse three, if you flip to the next Chapter verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, check this out. Did God actually say, did God actually say? What starts the cycle of shame, what kicks off uh, the cycle of events that leads to our shame is a lie from the enemy. And the first thing that we hear that our enemy says to, to humanity, is, did God actually say, did God actually say? You know what? The enemy still says that. The, the enemy still comes to us and says, did God actually say did God, did God actually say that about family? Is that what he actually says about sexuality, about society, about the church, about you? Every generation has to answer that question. Did it God actually say? Getting you to uh, question what God, the verdict that he has over your life and that, that trust, that seed of doubt and who God is and what he has said leads to sin. And so because the, because the enemy was able to sow doubt into what God actually said and can God be trusted, Adam and Eve, as you know, they would eat of the fruit of the tree. They would sin. And because of their sin, verse seven happened. In verse seven, it says, because there's, it says the eye, their eyes the eyes of both were both opened. Excuse me, the eyes of both were opened. In other words, they experienced shame. They knew that they were naked. So they experienced something never experienced before, which was shame. And because of that, it says that they hid themselves. And that's what you and I do. When we experience shame, we want to hide ourselves. Uh, we want to hide ourselves from our sins. So we hide ourselves in a job. We hide ourselves in an ideology or relationship or check this out, even religious performance. We hide from the presence of God. Now, at one level, feeling shame in this fallen world, even though it's not a part of the created order, feeling shame in this fallen world at some level is appropriate because uh, it, to, not, to be shameless would be even worse. To, to not feel shame would to deny our sin which it, or to deny our connectedness to other people. So at some level, feeling shame is appropriate, but know that when we do feel shame, we, want, we have to get rid of it. And one of the things that you and I do is we, we find fig leaves. We try to hide ourselves from God we tr and we try to hide ourselves from others. 
And like I said, shame is a powerful motivator in the short term, but in the long term, it has devastating effects. And so one of the things it does in our, in our desire to get rid of the shame, it leads to some really destructive things. It leads to things like hopeless perfectionism. We think that if we can pour ourselves into a job or relationship or something else, uh, some sort of excellence, that if we can get over our failures and we, then we can prove to ourselves that we are something. There, I did it. I proved it. I've exceeded expectations. Therefore, I have worth. And so we we hide ourselves into performance, hopeless perfectionism or harsh criticism of ourselves and other people. You know, you've heard the phrase, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Rejected people, reject people. Well, man, people who are in shame, shame people. And we're, we're seeing that at unprecedented level, unprecedented level. Angst, confusion, fear floods our culture. It's in our media, it's in our social media, it's everywhere, it's, we speak this way to each other, this judgmental, the, we, we, so we, we, we have harsh criticism of other people because of our shame, because we're trying to get, in, in the attempt to get rid of our own shame, we shame other people. And then we also shame ourselves. We, we, we have this judgmental attitude toward ourselves. And then lastly, it produces helpless feelings. Like, man, it's never gonna get better. I'm always gonna be this way. Nothing good is going to happen. I'll never get this promotion. I'll, my, this relationship is going to fall apart. I'll never amount to anything. It's in the context of our hiding, though, that God comes out to us like he did to Adam and Eve. He calls out and says, where are you? <laughs> I, mean, did he, I mean, did he not know where they are? Well, of course, he, God knew where Adam, he didn't ask a question for God. You know, I mean, he, he sees all, he knows all. I mean, God's not the person you want to play hide and seek with. He will find you like, like that. But he asked a question because Adam didn't know where he was. Eve didn't know where she was. He asked a question to say, hey, where are you? Take stock in what you're doing. You're running from me. You're running from other people. You're hiding. Do you know? He was asking, do you know where you are, Adam? And I, and I just want to ask you that question. Do you know where you are at? Are you hiding this morning? Are you running this morning? Where are you running to? Are you hiding yourself from other people because you don't want them to see you? They don't, you don't want people to know the real you. So you're hiding from God and you're hiding from others. 2020, man, I think shame has crept up in my life more than any other year. I mean, just, just the kind of year that it's been. And I've realized more than ever, I need, to, I need to be reminded from God, from God's word, who I am and who he says I am. And I need to hear that from other people. But when shame creeps in, we wanna hide from the source. We wanna hide from God. We wanna hide from others. And so he, he says, where are you? But he asked another question. He says, who told you were naked? How'd you know you were naked? How'd you, how, where did this shame come from? And then he says, have you eaten? from the tree which I commanded you not to eat. So the knowledge of our nakedness or the knowledge of our shame, he's saying is, is a direct result of sin. This undermining of the nature and character of God starts the downward spiral. And, but it doesn't end there because check out verse 12. It says, and the man said, so God asked him this question, hey, what happened? And the man said, hey, it's the woman you gave me. So it's the woman, but it's not just the woman, it's you too. You, it's the woman's fault and it's your fault. Eve says, hey, it's the serpent's fault. Here's what happens when shame really takes over. Part of the downward spiral is we start to blame other people. So the first thing we do is we hide and then we start to blame. So again, let me just ask you, where are you? Are, are, you, are you drifting? Are you hiding? Where, where are you hiding? 
And are you blaming? Are you starting to shit? Oh, it's just, it's, this is a reason, this is a reason, this is a reason. And that, all that does is get you further and further and further from the thing that's actually going to relieve you of your shame. You begin to push away the very thing that's going to be the thing that's going to bring you relief. Where does relief come from? Enough bad news, Brian, get to the good news. Well, here's, there's a curse here, but there's also a promise in the curse in verse 14 and 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly, you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here is the promise. There would be one from the seed of Adam and Eve. And we now know as Jesus, there would be one who would be bruised for our sin. So what we did in the garden, what happened in the garden, our nature of sin and our acts of sin, that there would be a, that a curse would come. That's why you know, the world is under the sway of sin. That's why there's death and disease and tornadoes and all the murder and hate and racism and shame. It's a part of, the, it's a part of our culture. It's a part of the air we breathe. But God would send one. Jesus would come and he would bear the curse for us on the cross. On the cross, Jesus bore our guilt and shame. He bore the curse of our sin. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The manner which Jesus died was not just painful, it was shameful. He was stripped naked, he was ridiculed, he was publicly humiliated. If you read Mark 15, I think it's like verse 21 to 29, it just says he was, and he was crucified. It almost minimizes the physical pain, but it talks a lot about the, the, the shame that he experienced on the cross exposed as weak, publicly humiliated. The crucifixion was the culmination of the rejection of Jesus. In John 1.11, it says that he came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, Isaiah 53.3 says, and we esteemed him not. I love the message translation of that verse. It says, and he was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down upon him and we thought he was scum. Those of you who have been unjustly shamed by other people, you can take man so much comfort from a savior who's experienced that. Your sin, the legal demands of your sin, he bore the guilt of the legal demands of your sin and he bore your shame so that you can be free from the sin that's associated from your sin and the sins of others against you. In Christ, you and I are called to be free from a life of guilt and shame. I am not saying that you will never feel guilty, but I am saying you should never go to bed feeling guilty. I'm not saying that you will never feel shame, but I am saying that you should never go to bed feeling ashamed. For 1 Peter 2, 16, he declares, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And check this out. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And I think what's more remarkable than the freedom that we have from 
the shame from shame is the lack of shame the Father and the Son both feel about us. In Hebrews 2.11, it says, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus is not ashamed of us. Jesus is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them, it says in Hebrews 11. This is outstanding revelation for you and I because it says that the work of the, that Jesus's work on the cross it worked it brought the freedom that we all want and it, and I, when I think about this I'm like man how in the world can God not be ashamed of us I mean don't we sin don't we continue to sin is not our behavior shameful are we denying and saying that we don't feel shame are we de- are we being shameless are we denying our sin no we're not and here's why. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you it this way. You know, I can't think of anything that would be more shameful to me as a parent than if, you know, if I'm hanging out in the lobby, uh, you know, pre-COVID in a, in a, or post-COVID, I should say, in a crowded group, and my kids come up to me, or one of my kids come up to me and just say, I hate you, I wish you weren't my father. And just in front of everyone. I mean, I would just be, I would feel so much shame. Either, either it's true, and I'm just feeling shamed about the reality. Um, or I'm just like, I'm just ashamed that they would even say that. Like, you know, I, I, my parenting would be, would be on display and it just, I feel so much shame. My only hope in that scenario is to disown my kids. I don't know who you are. I mean, you know, who are you? Like, and it just marginalize them. When I think about how we treat God, Basically, every time we sin, we're saying to God, I don't love you. I wish you weren't my father. And I don't understand why God doesn't disown us. And here's why he doesn't disown us. He doesn't disown us because on the cross, he disowned his son. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was shunned. He was shamed. He was treated like scum for you and I. He bore our sin. He bore our shame. He was punished so that you and I would never be punished. He was forsaken so that you and I would never be forsaken. So how do you and I respond to a message like this? Well, number one, where are we? Where are you? Where are we? Where, where am I? Where are you? Are you hiding? Are you running? Are you blaming? Where are you? Have you taken stock in, in, in where you stand in this moment? How would you describe yourself? Secondly, um, have you settled what God says about you, that you are a new creation, that you are eternally loved by the Father? I love what it says in 1 John 3, 20, that when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, that he speaks a better word over our lives. Do you believe that truth? Do you believe that truth? Are you rehearsing that truth? That's the third thing I'd say. Can, the way that I need, I've, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but in 2020, I've realized how much I need God's word and how much I need how much I need you, how much I need community, how much I need people in my life rehearse so that we can rehearse and encourage each other in what God says over us because we're getting that message. We're being discipled. We're on a 24-hour news cycle being discipled by what the culture says about us. We need to be reminded about what God says about. We need to rehearse that to each other. Jude says to keep yourselves in the love of God. We need to keep ourselves in that place. One of the ways that we do that is we make a habit of being together. Now, I know that's difficult in COVID, but we must make the habit of doing that. 
That's why I think we've experienced shame in 2020 more than we ever have. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're here. Um, maybe you're there. Maybe you're here uh, today and, and you're just like, man, I've never experienced that. Like you, your, your whole life has been running. You've never experienced ever the mercy and grace of God, the free gift of righteousness that he won for you on the cross, the freedom from guilt, the freedom from shame. You can experience that today. You just, you just have to say, I want to experience that. If that's you, God's grace will come to you. Just say, in fact, I would just encourage you right now, just even just to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're just saying, you're saying to yourself and maybe someone else in the room that, man, I believe in Jesus and I want to trust him. Um, I could see that he bore my guilt. I could see that he bore my shame. And I want to receive that. If that's you, I want to encourage you to do that. And then the last thing we can do is that we can tell other people, we take stock of where we're at. We, 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 we find, you know, are we running? Are we blaming? Are we hiding? Where are we at? Are we settled on God's word? Are we rehearsing the story to each other? Are we, have we put rhythms in our life to make sure that we are encouraged? We are being encouraged in what God says about us. And then let's tell other people. I love what it says. I find it very interesting, I should say, what it says at the end of um, the Gospel of John. Jesus is the hope, He's resurrected. And he comes to his disciples and he speaks peace to them in John 20. And he says, as the father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So he's getting ready to commission them. At the end of each gospel, the beginning of Acts, he's commissioning him. And this is the way he commissions them in John's gospel. It says this way, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the forgiveness of any, it is withheld. In other words, he's saying, I want you to go out and proclaim forgiveness. I want you to declare to people that they are forgiven. I want you to declare to people that they can live a life free of guilt and free of shame. And if you do that, my power is going to work through you and they will be forgiven. But if you don't do that, they're gonna stay in their guilt and they're gonna stay in their shame. So you and I have a work to do. If we're still breathing, if we're still alive, we've got a work to do. And our work together individually and, and together as a community is to be a witness to that, is to go and declare more than anything else. We're to declare that the, that the forgiveness of sins is possible and that freedom from guilt and shame is available to all who would receive. And we just have a fantastic opportunity. This coming week, Christmas Eve service, it's going to be fantastic. It's gonna be such an amazing event and people are gonna hear clearly the message of Jesus, how Jesus left heaven and earth to come and express his love for them. So you could do that this week. You could take action this week by telling others, go proclaim the gospel by inviting them to this. Well, I'm gonna pray for us. And we've got one more song before we conclude our service today. Father, I just thank you for your amazing plan to free our lives of shame. God, thank you, Lord, that we can see in your word that we were never meant to bear this burden. But we also see that shame is a reality of our sin. And God, we just wanna, we wanna, we wanna take stock of where we're standing. We wanna see how shame is causing us to run and hide and, 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 and neutralize what you've called us to do. You've designed us for a purpose, Lord, and we're running and hiding in all these other things, trying to relieve the shame. When we can just look to you and you will take our shame away. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just free us from shame in Jesus name. Amen.